Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. I sent Pastor John my sermon notes yesterday, and, and we like to look over each other's sermon notes so we can catch, you know, any doctrine, not doctrinal errors, but so we like to, to kind of keep up with what, what we're doing. I sent him my sermon notes, and he said, Paul, you know you can't cover ten points, right? And I said, there's the pot calling the kettle black. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to kind of skip off of some of these, but, but no, he was, I was just teasing him, but, but we're going to have fun with this. So we're in Matthew 26. And I'm going to, okay, this is, this is the way God works. We're in Matthew 26, verses 36 through 46. That should be pretty easy. Matthew 26, 36 through 46. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to read through that scripture. So just follow along with me. We're going to, I'm going to read through it, and then we'll go back and we'll kind of open it up. Ready? Verse 36. Then Jesus came to them in a place called Gethsemane. And he told his disciples, sit here, and I will go over there and pray. Taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is swallowed up in sorrow to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. Going a little farther, he fell down on his face, face down and prayed, My father, it is, if it is possible, take this cup from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And then he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. And he asked Peter, So couldn't you stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time we went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass, unless I drink it, let your will be done. And then he came again and found them sleeping because they could not keep their eyes open. After leaving them, he went away again and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the time is near. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. See, the betrayer is near. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the word that you've given us. We thank you for all that you've done for us in this time of Easter and, and, and moving through this church and moving through these people. Lord, I, I praise you so much for bringing these people out this morning to hear your words spoken and to to fellowship with each other and share our lives together in you. Lord, I ask that you be with us all, that you give us special peace and special guidance, that you give me the words to speak, that you be with all of those in our body that aren't here, that are traveling or are going to travel, that have been or that are sick and hurting. And Lord, I just ask that you build us all up in your name. Bring us closer to you so that we can worship you more fully and in spirit. I ask these in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so as Pastor John said, we're preparing for Easter. And we started this series a few weeks ago when I, when I opened it up with, uh, with the sermon on prepare. How do we prepare for Easter? And we had to do that by first understanding what Easter is. And then how do we prepare for our Passover? And then to examine ourselves to see if we have any leaven still in our hearts. And then Pastor John spoke about betrayal. He used the betrayal of Judas to illustrate the human tendency to serve ourselves instead of serve God. How some may find 
maybe serving for the wrong reasons, having impure motives. Some may be harboring betrayal in their hearts. Then he went on to speak about denial, how he used the story of Peter, the rock, to illustrate the path of denial from confrontation to withdrawal to a lessening of devotion and a beginning of a self-serving attitude and eventually from a turning away. So those are the steps that we've taken so far in this journey to the resurrection. The next one is prayer. So you might be thinking, why prayer and why now? Haven't we talked about prayer already? I mean, I, I spoke about prayer in my, in my sermon about preparation. And I know John spoke about prayer in his, his sermon about the betrayal and the denial. And we've talked about prayer a lot. This is something we preach on often here because it's so central to who we are and what Victory Church stands for. But why are we talking about prayer? Why in this context? We've already considered it, but why are we, spoken, why are we talking about it now? It, prayer is interesting. Have you ever thought about it? What a special gift that is. It's, it's, it's a mechanism that God put in place so that we can have communion with him. So that we can speak directly. You and I can speak directly to the, to the God of gods. Sitting on his throne in heaven. We've got an open communication with him. Prayer is a unique thing. And it's not unique to Christianity. But the way we do it, the, the, the essence of it is unique. It's, it's something that, that is special in God's plan for us. He gave us this open communication where we don't need interseries between us and God. We can speak directly to the God on the throne. And it comes in many forms. It can be formal. It can be like our Father who art in heaven. Or it can just be ad hoc like, God, I need you. God, this hurts. God, my, my child is sick. Or this paycheck's not going to cover the bills. It can, have, it, can be, it can be long and, and, and drawn out and in-depth and heartfelt. and It can be mere seconds. It can be in a quiet place in a time when you set apart for devotion to God. Or it can be in the ER. Or the hospital room. Or the funeral home. But it can also be at the wedding. It can be at the, at the birth of your child. It can be just in praise for a glorious spring morning that God has given us. Prayer comes in every shape and every size, but there's one common thread. There's one thing that passes through all prayer. Everything that, we, that prayer is about can be summed up in one thing. What prayer is about, ultimately, and what prayer is, ultimately, is submission. And I'll talk about that. So why do we pray? The next bullet point is a prayer in the time of squeezing. Now, what does that mean? I'm in verse 36, and it says, When Jesus came to them to a place called Gethsemane, and he told them to the disciples, Sit here, and I will go over there and pray. Gethsemane means oil press. What it is, it's a large stone, and it's shaped to fit in a basin. It's a big rock that's shaped and fit in, in a basin. And you would put the olives in the basin, and then you would put the stone on top. And the weight of that, of that stone would squeeze, that, squeeze the oil out of the olives. It would press down on it until the oil was drawn out. It would extract, extract the essence. It would extract the most valuable part of the olive. It would extract the intent, what the olives were created for. The olives were created and grown for that oil. 
That's the essence of the olives. So the heavy weight, that cassethamy that's sent on top of the olives and pressed them and smashed them down until the essence was revealed. That's what, that's what this was about. That's what cassethamy is. That's what that garden is for. It was the olive grove with the olive press where the, where the olives were refined down to the very essence, to the most valuable part. And so I don't think it's a coincidence that the most profound prayer in Scripture occurred in the shadow of the press, the place of squeezing, the place of refinement. You see, because Jesus knew what was going to happen. He had made preparation for this night. He knew about the betrayal and denial, and he knew what the next few days were going to mean for himself and for his followers and for the world. Because Stephanie was on his back. The weight was pressing him down and squeezing him down. And Jesus asked the people that he loved the most to come and pray with him. He's under tremendous pressure. He's being squeezed by what is about to happen. So what do you do when you get in that place? What do you do when, when you're being squeezed, you're being refined, you're being smashed down to what, what comes out of this is the essence of who you are and what God plans for you? So what do you do? You pray. But you also take a friend with you. He says in verse 37, he says, take, taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is swallowed up in sorrow to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. He took Peter and John and James aside away from the crowd and he shared his heart with them. He, he let them know that he was sorrowful to the point of death. He was asking for their support. He wanted them to come along and share this burden and to understand, understand his distress. He took his friends with him. He wanted the hearts to beat with his. He wanted to, to know that these men chosen for this purpose were there and that they had his back. This was his plan. And it was his responsibility. He was going to have to follow through with the plan that, 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 the, that God had instituted before the beginning of time. He understood what was going to happen. And he understood that these men were not responsible for the plan nor could they carry it out. But they could be there. And they could support him. And they could pray with him. They could hold him up. They could commiserate with him. They could, they could lay hands on him and understand his sorrow and the depth of his pain. And that's what this is illustrating to us. What do you do when you get in a time of squeezing? You get to that point where the rock is on your shoulder and you're being compressed and there's nothing, there's nothing left. You take your friends with you. You pull some Christian brothers and sisters, if it's appropriate, alongside you. And you tell them your deepest fears, your deepest hurt, your deepest pain. You explain your sorrow. And you ask them to pray. And you ask them to come alongside. You ask them to hold your hand. You ask them to cry with you if you need to cry. They're not going to take this press away from you. But they can make it bearable. And that's what Christ was asking his followers to do. He's asking his inner circle, his special friends, to come alongside him. At this time. And he said to them in verse 38, then he said, my soul was swallowed up in sorrow to the point of death. Jesus was sorrowful. But over what? This is no surprise to him. He knew what was coming. But he's sorrowful to the point of death. 
What do you think he was sorrowful for? Well, his humanity was grieved for all that his person, his humanness, would have to go through. All the trials and the mocking and the beatings and the scourging and the crown of thorns and the nails and the blood. The mocking and the thirst and the death and the burial. The human Christ grieved over that. He was sorrowful for that he was going to have to go through that. He was, he was grieved and sorrowful in his compassion. He understood what was going to happen and how it was going to affect those around him. How it was going to affect his followers. How it was going to affect his family. What his mother would go through. Can you imagine? Could you imagine his mother watching his, her son being tortured and mocked and killed in a gruesome way? He understood the grief that it was going to cause. He understood the tears that would be shed by all those that loved him. So he grieved for that. And his spirit was grieved for the trial it would face with the assumption of the sins of the world. When he would take that weight on his, on his shoulders and he would bear it on a cross, it grieved his spirit. He knew the trial that was coming where he would literally become the sins of the world and how his father would turn his back because he couldn't look upon his own son and what he had become. So he was grieved. He was sorrowful. So what did he do? And what should we do when we're sorrowful and when we're grieved? He, he prayed for relief. In verse 39, it says, going a little farther, he fell face down. And he prayed, my father, is it possible that this cup should pass from me? Yet not as I will, but as you will. Now, in Scripture, a cup is a symbol, it's a, especially in the Old Testament. It's a symbol of the wrath of God. And Jesus was being asked to drink from the cup of the wrath of God. He said, can this pass for me? Is there any way to do this? Father, is there another way? Can the world be saved without this? He knew the answer. Is there another way? So let me ask you this. He already knew the answer. Who was he questioning? Was he questioning God? Or was he questioning himself? Is there another way? Is there another way? Can this be done some other way? Can the world be saved without this? He was questioning himself. So what do we do when we're in distress? What do we do when we're being squeezed? What do we do when we're grieved in our soul? Is it okay to ask for relief? Is it okay to ask God for a way out? Sure it is. It is okay. In fact, God wants us to bring that to him. He wants us to cry out to him. He wants us to lay this at his feet. Say, take this. I can't handle this. It's okay to ask for relief. But what's important is what he says next. This is what we need to pay attention to. He next says, yet not as I will, but as you will. He asked for this to be taken away. But he said, God, if you can't take this from me, I'll accept it. It's your will that's important, not mine. It's not what I want that counts. It's what you want. If what you want is for me to pass through this, then let your will be done. That's the attitude that we're expected to have as Christians. When we're under that time of squeezing, when we're under that time when, things are, when the essence is being pressed out of us, 
We can ask for relief, but if relief is not God's will, then we're to accept God's will and let God's will be done. Now, the next part, we can make a whole sermon series out of, and we we don't have time for that, so I'm just going to touch on it real quickly. But it's the failing humanity. See, we went through this cycle three times. Christ would go off by himself. He would pray. He would ask for God to, to take this burden from him if possible. And if not, let his will be done. And then we come back to find John, James, and Peter on their knees, praying fervently. No, they were sleeping. Their humanity was failing them. He repeated the cycle three times, and each time he came back and he found his disciples sleeping. His backup wasn't on the job. His support wasn't there. Now, we could go off on, again, we could go off, that's a whole other sermon. I won't go there. But this is where he found himself, sorrowful before God, broken before God. But his friends had let him down. So that's another sermon. So what does Jesus ultimately do? He says, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. In verse 40, he says, then he came to the disciples, found them sleeping. He said to Peter, so couldn't you stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, the second time he went away and he prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And then he came again, found them sleeping. Verse 44, after leaving them, he went away again, and he prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, you are still sleeping and resting. Look, the time is near. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. See, my betrayer is near. See, so after all this had come to pass, the three prayers for relief, three affirmations of the acceptance of the will of God, Jesus fully submits to this plan. Do you see a difference? He fell on his face and he cried out to God for relief and, and, and then submission. He came back a second time and he fell on his face and he cried out to God for relief and he affirmed his submission. The third time he fell on his face before God, he cried out for relief and exclaimed and confirmed his submission. Then what does he say? He said, get up. Let's go. My betrayer is near. He fully accepted the burden that God had placed on him. He asked for relief and it was not forthcoming. He had asked for relief. It was not forthcoming. He said, let your will be done. Let your will be done. Let your will be done. And then he got up. He dusted himself off. He wiped the sweat and the blood from his face. He stood tall. He looked at his sleeping disciples. He said, get up. It's time to go. It's time to do what I came here for. A new determination gripped him. Why? Because he placed himself fully in the submission to God. He prayed. But then he said, God, this is your way. This is your will. Use me as you will. Use me as your will leads. I'm ready to go. This is what I was born for. This is what I'm here for. Let's go. He stood up. He brushed himself off. And he went into the full submission of God. And you will not see another instance in the rest of Scripture, from the rest of this story, where Jesus asked for relief. 
Nowhere else does he say, okay, I've already been tried. I've already been mocked. I've already been beaten. I've already had a crown of thorns driven onto my head. I've already been scourged. And now I'm carrying my cross to the, to, to the place of execution. God, can I have some relief from this now? Do we still have to do this? Isn't that enough? You don't see that, do you? You see him shouldering his cross and making his way to Golgotha. You see six mock trials and at no, at no time did he defend himself. Because he is fully in submission to the will of God. He understood what God was calling him to and he surrendered himself fully to it. That's the lesson that he wants us to learn. That even though we're being squeezed and even though we're under time of trial, there's a plan, there's a will. And we're to get ourselves in alignment. We'll talk about how we do that. He had a new determination. Because that is what prayer is for. Every sermon has to have a takeaway. This is your takeaway. If you're taking notes, this is what you need to take note of. That's what prayer is for. Prayer aligns us with the will of God. Prayer is not just a list of perceived needs, most of which are really desires, most of which are, most of which are ours and not God's. What prayer is for is to bring us into alignment with the will of God. The main purpose of prayer is open communication with God. Now, it's not wrong to ask, but what I ask for tells a lot about the condition of my heart. So if I'm saying, Lord, won't you buy me a color TV? That's saying something about me. Right? That's saying something about the condition of my heart. What I ask for should be representation of what God wills for me. So how do we get to the point where we're, our will and God's will are aligned? How do we know how to pray for what God wants us to pray for? So it's not wrong to ask for things. But remember, there's nothing that I can tell God he doesn't already know. If I need food, he knows that. If I need shelter, he knows that. If I need the new job, he knows that. If the paycheck is not going to cover the bills this month and I don't know where my tithe check is going to come from, he knows that. So there's nothing that I can tell God. It's not like, hey, God, hey, I know you're not paying attention. But I'm down here and I've got this problem and I really could use some help. It's not like that. He already knows what you need before you ask. So when we take things to God, what are we doing? Are we reminding God what we need? No. We're expressing to God what's in our heart. We're, we're aligning ourselves with His will for us. We're saying, God, I really, really would like to have this new car. That's telling something about my heart. God's answer might be that you get the new car. His, his, also, His answer might be, no, that's not quite what I have in mind for you. So we're trying to get our, our hearts in alignment with God's heart. That's one of the major functions of prayer. That's primarily what it's for. And I'm convinced, I don't, you know, this is just a gospel according to this Paul, not that Paul. Gospel according to this Paul is it's not as, I don't think it's really as important to what I say when I pray. It's the attitude of my heart when I pray. What am I praying for? Now, is it just a laundry list of things I'd like to have? 
Or is it, God, get me in alignment with you. Bring me closer to you. Make me more like your son. Let my wants and needs and desires become your wants and needs and desires. Not the other way around. I'm not telling you how you should feel about this. I want you to tell me how I should feel about this. And how, how I can get in alignment with what you have already planned for me. And the blessings that you already have in the store for me. That's what our prayer should be. It's just open communication. The idea is, is, is that he wants us to become what he wants us. He wants our wants, needs, and desires to become what his wants, needs, and desires are. He wants our will to become more like his will. Jesus prayed for another way, knowing there wasn't one. He was, trying to, he, was he trying to convince God to change his mind, change the plan? He was trying to change his mind and his heart to come in alignment with what God had already ordained. He was trying to change his own mind. So when we pray, are we praying that God will see things our way? No, we're praying that we shall see things God's way. Because Jesus knew the answer before he asked. He wasn't trying to change God's mind. He was trying to change his own. And that's what prayer does. In this scene, Jesus demonstrates the power of prayer to bring us into the plan and the will of God. You see, prayer, real God-centered prayer, is a moving force. It has power. Now, there are different kinds of prayer. There's intercessory prayer. We pray for each other. There's prayer for justice. There's prayer for peace. There's prayer for our own self. And there's prayer for the church. There's different, prayer, there's different kinds of prayer with different motives. But prayer, if it's real God-centered prayer, if it's real spirit-driven prayer, is powerful. It's a powerful moving force. Prayer cannot exist in the world without something happening. If you pray, and you're praying from the heart, from the Holy Spirit, speaking to God, things will happen. There's power there. Now, you may not see it. It may not always be, be plain that God is moving in this situation. It may take years for that prayer to become reality. I prayed for my brother's salvation for years. And then one day he calls me up and he says, I need you to pray. God answered that prayer. He didn't answer it in my time frame. He answered it in his own. But when you pray, things happen. God is moving. Now, can God change his plan? As a result of our prayer? Yes, only if it's in his will. But things will happen. The world cannot be the same after a fervent prayer. Prayed from the heart with Christian conviction. Things happen. It's a powerful force. It's a moving force. But it's not moving God. It's moving us. God is in on his throne, sovereign, and our prayers Bring us closer to Him. Brings us closer to His will and His plan and His heart. That's the prayer that Jesus was praying. He wasn't praying, God, change your mind. He was praying, God, change my mind. Bring my heart. Line myself up with your will. That was the prayer. That was the model that Jesus was bringing to us in the way that we should praise. So when this... Gethsemane is there. When the stone is on our backs, how should we pray? Should we pray for God to move this out of our way, to remove this temptation, remove this trial, to remove this squeezing from our lives? Or do we pray, Lord, if that's your will, 
compress me till the essence, what I'm really about, the most important thing is revealed. And all the rest is the hull that's left behind. So I'm just about done. The praise team wants to go ahead and get in place. When the squeezing comes, how will you pray? When the stone is pressing, what will you pray for? We need to examine ourselves in this time of preparation for Easter and ask ourselves, where is our heart? What are we praying for? Are we saying Jesus to Jesus as Jesus did? Let your will be done? Or are we saying, Lord... Give me what I desire. We need to look into our hearts and see if there's any of that leaven left in there. See if there's any of that selfishness left in there. Is there anything, Lord, that needs that needs to be revealed to you? That any doors need to be opened to let your light shine in in my life? Is there anything that I need to put aside so that I can be a better servant for you? and be closer to your will and be more in alignment with what your will is for my life. Lord, let your will be done. So as we approach this time of Easter, as we're thinking ahead of our Passover and what Christ did for us on the cross and the burial and the resurrection, this is the time to ask ourselves, how am I praying? Does prayer have to be a long involved? No. Actually, Scripture tells us that we should pray without ceasing. So yes, prayer is important. The time where we take time aside to commune with God, where we clear our minds of all other things, we put aside the cares of the world, and we just concentrate and focus on God, that's important. But it's also an attitude. It's also how we live our lives. We can be praying to God as we drive. We can be praying to God as we work. It's a focus. I'm seeing the world through an attitude of prayer that brings you into alignment with the will of God. So we need to open our, open our hearts now as Easter is coming, our Passover is coming. How are we praying? Am I praying for this for relief or am I praying for submission? Are there things in my life that I need to set aside to get closer to you, Lord? I pray that you reveal those to me, that you reveal those dark places so I can prepare to receive your will and receive you. We're using this time of Easter as a remembrance of what you've done for us and a celebration of the, of the victory that was earned that Easter. Lord, I pray you make me worthy. I pray you make me in alignment with you. So let us pray now. Lord, we come before you humble. And I realize that many times when I'm praying, I'm praying for myself. I'm praying for what I need, what I want, and what I perceive as your will. When what I should be praying for is that your will be done. And that your will is revealed to me so that I can see clearly with these human eyes and for this human heart where I'm failing you, where my humanity is leaving me, leaving you. 
and I'm not following your will, where I'm not attending for even the hour. Lord, I ask that you build up my humanity, build up my spirit within me, so that I can see what your will is, and I can pray accordingly. So in all things, Lord, I ask that your prayer, that this prayer be heard, that your will be done. That your will be done. I ask that for me. I ask that for this church. I ask that for Victory Church as a whole, that your will be done. That we see what your will is. And we pray that your will would move us to move. That we would be following your footsteps and be doing what you would have us do and following your plan for this church. I pray that for these people. I pray for the, the body of believers that come together in this building to worship you. That we would all, in our own way, in our own time, in our own heart, be praying for your will and submitting ourselves to your will so that your will would come forth and your plan would shine. Lord, I pray for all those that are not calling on your name. And if, in, in the essence, Christianity is submission to your will. And I know, Lord, that it's your will that all should be saved and none should perish. So, Lord, if there are any here today that have not called on your name, have not submitted to your will, have not accepted you as their personal Savior, that today would be the day that you work in their hearts and bring them into submission for your plan, of your plan for salvation, that they would come to your throne in submission to your will and start this journey with you. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here that has not done that, that you would move in their hearts today. They could pray that prayer, that simple prayer of, Lord, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I ask you to be my Savior, to come into my heart. I come to you in full submission. Lord, I ask for that you be with all of us here and all that throughout the world that are calling your name this morning, that a spirit of submission moves through the church and we become more like your son. Lord, I ask that you be with us and guide us and follow, through, follow us throughout the week with a special hand of protection. Remind us who you are and where our place is in your plan and what your will is for our lives. Lord, I ask for your peace. In Jesus' name. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.